here on behalf of our senior pastor Glenn, our staff, our leaders, and volunteers here at Purpose Church. Welcome to Christmas Eve. Are you guys having a good time so far? Are you enjoying the night? Good. Awesome. Well, my name's Eric, and I'm I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to open with a question. And it's a question you've probably been asked a few times this last month. And the question is this. What are you hoping for this Christmas? Maybe it's been asked in different ways. Maybe it's, hey, what, what do you want from Christmas? What, what, what's on your Elfster? What's on your Amazon wish list? What are you hoping for this Christmas? I think we all walked into this room with some thoughts on our minds. We did some research this week to figure out what are some of the most popular gifts this Christmas season. And I want to talk about those for a quick second. If, if there's any kids in the room, those of you that went up here, or maybe some kids that are out there, you know, there's a lot of gifts that you may have been wanting this Christmas season. Maybe you were hoping for a new bike, maybe you were hoping for a new video game set, or maybe, just maybe, you were hoping for one of the most popular gifts among kids this Christmas season, and it is the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet. You know what I mean? I mean, this is a big ticket item right here. Or or maybe you're a teenager, and maybe You've moved beyond that, although I know our junior high and physics pastor, JT, he actually wants that for Christmas, but maybe you've, you've moved beyond that, and at this point, you know, you're looking for some, new, for some new clothes, maybe you want a new smartphone, or maybe you want one of the most popular gifts among teenagers this Christmas season, a brand new pair of AirPods, right? Maybe, you, maybe you're looking for those, or maybe... Maybe if you're a young adult here and, and maybe you have someone significant in your life this Christmas season, you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend or maybe you've got a roommate that you're best friends with and, and you're just hoping that they will remember that one thing that you mentioned six months ago, right? You're like testing their love for you and you're like, will you remember it? And that, you're just hoping they're gonna get that for you or, or maybe you're a mom here and, and on all year, I mean, you're just an incredible superhero in your family and you're just like, can someone get me Glen Ivy? Like I just need a trip to Glen Ivy, you know, or, or, or maybe, yeah, let's get an amen. So maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're a guy here and you're like, I, I just need a fishing trip. I just need a time out with the guys. Or maybe if you're a real adult, if you're a real adult, then, then you'll resonate with the gift that is maybe most popular among adults this Christmas season, and it is the instant pot, okay? We have one of these at our house. I don't know how it works, but anyways, we got one of those. Or maybe, maybe you're here and, and, and you're like, you're a baby. And I want to just talk, we don't ever talk to the babies. But baby, or, or you're a toddler and, and you can't speak for yourself. You're like baby Yoda walking around. You know what I mean? And, and you're just, no one's speaking for you. But one of the most popular gifts for that age range is this thing called the Linkamole Sloth Edition. Which I don't know about you, but that just, that looks possessed. Like, I just weird. You know what I mean? It just, that thing is kind of freaking me out. Well, I've got, a, I've got four kids and I was with uh, my oldest daughter. Brinley, she's five years old, and we were uh, walking in October. We were on this little um, outing together, and I asked Brinley, I said, Brinley, what are you hoping for this Christmas? And she said, Daddy, do you know what crybabies are? And I say, yes, I live with four of them. I know exactly <laughs> what crybabies are. And she goes, Daddy, no, 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 Daddy, no, 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 not, not that kind of crybaby. She said, it's this really awesome toy where it's a baby, and in the middle of the night, it will just randomly start crying, and then, and then I'll get up, and I'll help it stop crying. And I said, Brinley, that's not a toy. That's a nightmare. That is not something you want this Christmas season. And she said, no, Daddy, Daddy, no, no, no. She said, Daddy, and she got real serious, and she said, Daddy, 
I know I usually ask for fancy things, which in our family means anything in the dollar section at Target. Okay, that's, that's fancy. So she said, I know I usually ask for fancy things for Christmas, but, but this Christmas, I, I just want the chance to be a mommy. And I'm like, no, you don't. Like, no, you don't. Trust me. That's a hard job. But maybe at this point in the Christmas season, you're no longer asking the question, what am I hoping for, but what was I hoping for? Because you had that appointment with your doctor and you were hoping for a certain diagnosis and it went the other way. Or maybe you've been hoping all month that your husband or your wife would return, would emotionally connect and not this Christmas. Maybe you were hoping that you'd have enough finances to buy the gifts that you really wanted to get for people and it just didn't happen. I don't know what kind of heartbreak you bring in here, but I imagine that for some of us, there were things we were hoping for that just aren't going to be this Christmas. I believe that not only are we entering this room with some hopes, but I think God has a hope for each one of us. That whether you, you come to church on Christmas Eve and on Easter, and, and you're just kind of doing your time here, I get that, I get that. And I just want you to know we love you, and we are so glad that you're here. But I believe that for you, and for all of us here, that God desires that we would walk away this Christmas with a bigger, a better, and a brighter picture of who he is. That maybe this month has felt very similar to years past where the commercial version of Jesus and the pageantry of Christmas and, and the songs and all that stuff has just kind of left you feeling like, is this story actually real? And maybe, just maybe this Christmas, God wants to get up close and personal with you and say, man, I desire a personal relationship with you. I desire you to answer the question that's behind the question, and it's this. Who this Christmas season is your king? Who, who, who's bringing you peace and comfort and hope? Where's your meaning and significance coming from? I believe this Christmas, that if Jesus is our king, we will know peace and we will know purpose like nothing else could ever bring us. For just a few minutes, I want to look at Matthew's account of the historical beginning of Jesus' life, and, and I believe three reasons that Jesus should be our king this Christmas season will emerge. And so if you want to find me on the screen or in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, the story begins like this, and what we're going to discover is that reason number one is King Jesus piques our interest. I believe King Jesus is piquing your interest even now. The story begins like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Well, we meet two interesting groups of people here. The first is King Herod. King Herod was in power over Galilee and Judea from the year 37 BC to 4 BC. It was towards the end of that when Jesus was born, but Herod's reign was really marked by him oppressing people. He manipulated people in order to become in power, and, and everyone at this point, towards the end of his life, really hated him so much so 
that when he knew he was about to die, he had a group of influencers in his community round up, put in prison, and ordered that they would be executed when he died to ensure that there would be crying all throughout the land. You see, that's what a lot of kings look like in that day. But there's this other group of people. There's these magi, these wise men, these people who, who study the stars, And they had seen this star in the east, which means they were from an area called Babylonia, which is modern-day Iraq. And and they saw this star, and and some scholars believe it was this celestial phenomenon that happened in the year 7 BC called the Sign of the Fishes, where Jupiter and Saturn and Venus began to orbit together, causing this constellation in the stars that, that couldn't go unnoticed. And so these wise men, these astrologers, these people who didn't really know God but had heard stories of him from the Jews that were in exile in their land, they begin to be curious. Their interest is piqued. In fact, they probably traveled days, weeks, months, and some scholars even believe years in order to find out what was going on because this phenomenon only happened once every 794 years. You see, God chose to use his stars to reveal his son. He he chose to use a light in the sky to make aware the light of the world that had come for all people. And so the story continues in verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed that there would be a new king threatening his empire. Of course, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler, not like the rulers you're used to, but a ruler who would be defined as a shepherd of his people, Israel. You see, Jesus is given this identity that he was the shepherd, the caretaker, the one who watched out for and ultimately sacrificed himself for his people. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Their interest is piqued. I wonder this season, what is God using in your life to pique your interest. And maybe you think it's random. And maybe, maybe you just find yourself listening to the new Kanye album and you're like, he's talking about this Jesus. What's going on here? Or maybe you have somebody at the gym that you work out with. You've got a family member who is just like crazy about Jesus. And, and it kind of bothers you because you're like, why are you so into this guy? But your interest is piqued. Maybe it's a coworker. Or maybe it's a spouse. What is God using in your life to pique your interest to keep you from just continuing to kind of go through the motions of life. Maybe for some of you, it's some loneliness you're experiencing. It's some fear, some anxiety. Maybe it's a sense of you look out at the world and you're like, if all of this evil is happening, how could there be a God? I get that, I understand that. One of the most prolific writers 
in Christianity is a guy named C.S. Lewis in our modern time. C.S. Lewis, he, he was actually originally an atheist because his mom died when he was 10 years old. He lived in an abusive family upbringing through his education system, and, and he doubted God. In fact, he hated God. He, he believed there's no way there could be a God because of all the trauma and all the pain around the world. And then, and then as he began to get to know this God, he reflected on those thoughts, and this is what he wrote in one of his books. He said, my argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust, but how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. Do you see how the very fact that deep within you is this sense that things should be right and they're not is evidence that God has put that in you because you are an image bearer of him because you were made for eternity. You were made to live in a world where God reigns as king. Their interest is piqued. Then Herod sends them on a journey from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, which is only five miles. You see, they had been walking for hundreds of miles. They had been walking for months and possibly years, and they were so close to finding what they had been looking for. And I, I think there's some of you here today who you're so close. You're so close to finding the answers that you're looking for. You're so close to discovering God's incredible love for you and for you just leaning into that, which is my challenge and my encouragement to all of you here is keep going. If, if some of you, you only come to church at Christmas Eve and Easter, that's cool, we love you. Can I just ask one thing? Come back one more time. Just come back one more time. If these stories are interesting to you, start reading in Matthew. Just see how the story goes. Maybe you're a part of a life group. Don't give up on that life group. Continue to lean in because I believe you are closer than you think to discovering this God, Jesus Christ, who loves you. Second big idea that Jesus should be our king is King Jesus awakens our joy. Verse nine, after that he heard, they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen went and it rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star they were overjoyed. They were so excited, why? Because they had been walking for miles and miles and days and weeks and months and years. And they had found what their heart was longing for. They found Jesus. The story continues. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. In the original language that this was written in, it, it has a picture behind it. It's not like they like gently leaned down and kind of wiped the floor and said, can I get some Clorox wipes or, or did you mop this or can I get like a hay, a hay towel or, you know, a towel or like a, a pillow? Can I get something? They didn't do any of that. They literally mashed their faces against the ground. And you know why? Because they understood that long before they ever got down to the level of Jesus as a baby, God had chosen to get down to their level. God had chosen to prioritize them, to become one of them. 
and these, these magi, they're, they're not impressed with the Christmas scene, right? They're not looking at the whole nativity scene and going, oh man, every country's going to be selling these things. You're going to make billions on this. I mean, that's not what they're thinking. They're, they're looking at the scene, the stuff of Christmas, and it's not that impressive to them. The Christ of Christmas is impressive to them. And then what they do is they, they get their gold and their frankincense and their myrrh, and they hand it over to the child. They hand it over. And what they're teaching us is something that many of us know here, and it's this, that if your joy is in stuff, it will eventually stop. But if your joy is in God, it will only grow. You see, friends, if you're hoping this Christmas that what you unwrap tomorrow is going to bring you a kind of lasting joy, it will eventually stop. But life in Christ, life with God, in relationship with the God who loved you enough to leave heaven to become one of us, to be with us, that kind of joy no circumstance can touch. And that joy only continues to grow. See, what the Magi learned here is that love is not a promise made with words. These weren't just prophecies, fairy tales. Love is a reality demonstrated with actions, that God demonstrated his great love for you and I when 2,000 years ago he showed up on the scene and said, I am here to rescue every single one of you because I love you, because I created you, because I designed you. And last reason that Jesus should be our king is in one verse, verse 12, and it's that King Jesus transforms our future. Verse 12, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You see, the plan was they found out where baby Jesus was, they returned to Herod and reported. But after Jesus became their king, he determined their future. He decided what it is that they were to do. Implicit in the text is that God warned them in a dream. You see, their plans and their priorities were now dictated and led by their king. And there was immense peace that came with that. I was listening to a podcast this week, and one of the pastors I was listening to, his name is Bob Ballion. He's a pastor up at Bayside Church in one of their urban campuses. And, and he said this as he was describing a great leader, and I thought it so perfectly described Jesus. He said, we should not settle for leadership that does not have integrity and clarity. We need both because we value integrity and we follow clarity. You see, why is King Jesus the perfect leader and the perfect king? Because he has perfect integrity. He, he, this baby grew up, and he grew up a completely sinless man, never sinned. He kept every single promise he ever made, the greatest one of all. He said, I will give up my life as a ransom for anyone who will receive me. And he did just that. He died on a cross, the death that you and I deserve because of our sin. He took it so that we wouldn't have to. But then he proved it. He proved that he had life, that he had power over life and death when he actually rose from the dead. But then he has perfect clarity because he says, now here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me with every part of you 
and I want you to follow me. Mark Twain said famously, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Some, some of you walked in this room, and if I could talk directly to you, I, I would, because you walked into this room and you absolutely feel, maybe you've never even voiced it, but you feel like your life is a waste. You feel like you're an accident. You feel like there's no purpose to your life. Can I very kindly and lovingly say, God disagrees with you. He completely disagrees with you. Because God made you on purpose for a purpose. But today, maybe it's about discovering the why. Why did God make you? It's to be in a relationship with him, beginning today and lasting for all of eternity. And so friends, let me ask you the question, who is your king? Is it your money? Is it your career? Is it your likes on Instagram? Is it your friendships? Is it your future? Who is your king? Is it your intellect? I believe this Christmas, what you and I are really hoping for can only be found when Jesus is our king. You, you see, when, when, when Jesus is your king, the circumstances around you may not always change, but your understanding of them and your perseverance through them does every time. Friends, making Jesus your king cost him everything, but for us, he made it pretty simple. It begins by admitting our condition before God, just being honest, saying, God, I'm a bad king. My wife or husband is a bad king. My finances are a bad king. And admitting our brokenness, Paul says in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The next step is, is B, believing like really trusting that Jesus Christ is God's only solution to your condition. Paul says again, for the, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then lastly, it's choosing. It's choosing to follow Christ as your Savior and King and Lord. I love these words from Jesus. I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. I want to invite everyone here to close their eyes for a second. If tonight you want to make Jesus the king of your life, there's no better decision you can make. And if you're interested in doing that, it's a lifelong journey, but for you, it might be beginning tonight. If that's you and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and your King, I want to invite you to pray this prayer silently with me. Dear God, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to earth. I believe Jesus was who he said he was and proved it by rising from death. I want to discover and begin following your plan and purpose for my life. I want to get to know you personally. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for me and forgiving all my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your free gift of eternal life. 
Amen. If you, if you made that decision, we have a gift for you. It's a Bible and a little bit of information about what it looks like to begin this relationship with Jesus. Out in our Connect Center, we have some amazing, friendly people out there who would love to just give you this gift and encourage you. I'll also be up front, and I'd love to pray with you and talk with you. As we uh, transition into our candle lighting, let me read from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. He said this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.